plot twists. We're obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that defining moment when a story, any story, takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, superhero buff and comedy lover. And I'm Fran, reality TV obsessive and true crime enthusiast. And we're from Now TV. And throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about their favourite plot twists, both on and off screen. So expect the unexpected and hopefully some behind-the-scenes nuggets that you've never heard before. Contain spoilers. Obviously. You know what, Fran? Every so often, there's a series that comes about and it just there's just this extra bit of hype about it. I know. This series, Gangs of London, was exactly that. I remember when I watched the advert for the first time and there was this part where a guy was hanging upside down off a building being set alight to. And I knew from that moment it was going to be one of those epic series. And that's just the opening scene. Yeah, I know. And this series really has lived up to its hype. And luckily for us today... We got to interview Joe Cole, who is one of the stars of Gangs of London, and we were so excited. And we did this the day after it came out on Now TV, didn't we? I know, we had all the anticipation, all the build-up of the series, and then the next day, we get to speak to Joe Cole. It was brilliant. With the main man himself. And it was really yeah. funny to speak to Joe because I'm a huge fan of Peaky Blinders, and obviously he plays John Shelby, one of the infamous three Shelby brothers. So it was really interesting to see Joe move into a sort of another gangster film in a very different type of role. He's played a lot of different roles, hasn't he? And for some reason, I, I don't know about you, but I thought he might be a little bit like his characters. You know, that sort of that dark edge to him. But Smoking a cigar he, with he, a flat he, cup. He definitely didn't. Definitely didn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he's got a few other shows on his CV that I'd completely forgotten about. So do you not remember he was Luke in Skins, the kind of Skins. bad boy drug dealer? I remember when I pulled that bad boy out of the archives, I'm now obviously partway through Skins as well, which is... Terrible binging of box sets. Um, but yeah, I was really, really excited to speak to Joe. And the other thing he did was uh, Black Mirror, which was, I mean, obviously a great series, but his episode, Hang the DJ, that's probably like my favourite episode of is that Black Mirror. Because it's all about online dating. Oh, every week this seems to be coming up, Frank. Can we just like, can we, can we leave it? Easy target, <laughs> easy target. Yeah, it's a true story. But quickly back to Gangs of London, Fran. This obviously sees Joe play the role of like, the head of the Wallace family. His, his dad's killed and he's, he's out for revenge. And there's a lot of anticipation about this, not just because Joe is obviously there and he's very versatile and talented, but it's also created by Gareth Evans, who's an amazing filmmaker. So there's a, there's a lot of hype behind this and, and rightly so. I know, I can't wait for this interview. I am so excited. Well, let's get straight to it then. This is part one of our interview with Joe Cole on the Plot Twist podcast. We should say uh, congratulations, mate. Obviously, the show came out yesterday, Gangs of London, new yeah. series. Yeah, yeah, Do you get hyped up when a new show comes out or is it you just used to it now? Uh, no, I think uh, it's always exciting. I think for this one, just particularly because of the situation we're in at the moment, we haven't got much to celebrate, much to kind of look forward to. Um, everything's getting cancelled, festivals and all the rest of it, and people are just stuck at home. So it feels like it's something that can bring people together in some way and offer some sort of you know water cooler discussion. And I'm starting to get that with my friends who seem to be really digging it, you know, and it's an entertainment piece at the end of the day. And it's, it's wild and it gets wilder. And I, I mean, I watched episode one this morning and 
if it gets wilder, then I'm going to spend a yeah. lot of time behind my hands, I think. Yeah, and it's... <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. It, it's... it's, <laughs> it's um, They've got different filmmakers on it, so the the cool thing is the different sensibilities in in each episode, you know. And I and I think you know two, three, and four are done by Corin Hardy. He brings something different. Gareth comes back onto five and 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 does this sort of wild piece, and then six Xavier Gens takes over and does this kind of very different macabre thing again. And and that's what's cool. I I I hope you know. I don't think we're doing the the same thing in each episode, but there are mm. real moments of like I've been watching it and just laughing, like la- like laughing out loud. And I'm like, and I'm sort of saying, is this the reaction I should have? And then I thought, I thought, well, why why not? You know, it's 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 a it, it's fun. And and then also there is this kind of heightened drama and familial story within it. And do you watch the show back? So obviously it came onto the service yesterday for people to start watching do you kind of monitor what people are saying about it are you someone who likes to see that or would rather i mean not? i think anyone who says they don't is a liar uh, but i do try <laughs> and keep it to a minimum i don't go on twitter really it's like it's generally a lot of positive stuff but you know i try I, I try not to do that i mean this sounds kind of uh, wanky but i read a, 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 a i heard an interview with tom cruise years ago and he sort of said he doesn't listen too much to positive criticism and he doesn't listen too much to negative criticism. He watches his, his work, he has his own opinion on it and then it's done. And I think that's the only way you can maintain, you know, sort of any sort of uh, semblance of um, sanity, really. Well, you mentioned Twitter. We've got a couple of comments so we thought we'd, we'd read out to you. Our, our personal faves that we found. Oh, yeah, cool. we found a couple this morning which were pretty cool. So I'll, I'll read the first one. So... Me watching Gangs of London, fucking hell, this is top tier shit. I couldn't take my eyes off the first episode. Absolutely had me by the balls. I'm <laughs> on the edge of my seat. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> I thought that could have been written by me, except that not the balls part. Um, it honestly had me on the edge of my seat. Um, and this one was uh, Gangs of London. This is right along the top with The Wire uh, as one of the best TV shows ever. I was up early, put on my TV about seven and noticed it was available. I put it on and was gripped. I actually sat bursting for a piss for two episodes. I just couldn't turn away. <laughs> so, yeah, I, th- I think by the sounds of that, people are already enjoying it. Oh, that's great, man. <laughs> yeah, there's, I think people hopefully will. I think there's a lot more to come. It's, it's going to, yeah, it will divide some opinion, but I'm, I'm proud of it, man. I'm proud of it. So, so we'll see. D- d- divide opinion in what sense? You know, it is very violent. I mean, we're showing criminals at the highest level and there's a reason those people are at the highest level It's because they do things on a different level and the violence and, and the lengths they're prepared to go are on a whole different ball game to the stuff we've seen before, kind of the street level sort of crime shows. But I think, you know, there, there's a certain um, artistic quality to the way these filmmakers have done it. And I think there's a, a poeticism and, and a, and I, I, I don't think it is just violence for, for violence sake. I think there is an art to, to all each of these things, the way they've been choreographed. I mean, you've seen the first episode and you've seen those fight scenes. And then there's, you know, there's, there's Western style shootouts coming. There's so many different things. And I think there's an art, you know, they've not just been, mm. you know, they've spent many days choreographing and creating and, and, and building these, these set pieces. Um, but yeah, it's we're showing a world that is very, very um, violent. But I think in the world of Gangs of London, anything can happen. Anyone can 
get their head blown off or, or, or whatever at any moment, you know, and it's kind of once you've kind of got used to that, then I think you can kind of get on with the show a bit more. But I think shows like that are great because they keep you on edge. We always talk about it with sort of Game of Thrones, like the reason it's so great is because anyone can get killed off just at any moment. So when there is a fight scene, you're really sitting there sort of willing the characters you want to stay alive to actually be alive by the end of the scene and they mm. could just get taken yeah. out at any moment. Yeah, and I think definitely with this show, that is the case. No one is safe. It's a big ensemble and anyone can, can go at any minute. And that, and that is what is exciting about it. So, yeah. Interesting you mentioned Game of Thrones there, Frank, because Michelle Fairley plays your mum in this. Yeah. And of course, uh, I think I saw a comment on Twitter where it said, uh, Caitlin Stark's back and the, the lead, one of the leads has died in the first series already. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> you talk about the violent scenes and that when you watch it back, you laugh. What is it like to film scenes like that? I think filming fight scenes and the action sequences is just good fun it's kids in a playground really you know we, we, mm. we've got guns and bullets and um, explosives and all the rest of it and we kind of get to play and it's uh, I, I sometimes come to work and I'm thinking you know I feel very fortunate to be doing what I'm doing and then I think I, I, for me it's like when I'm doing the more the stuff with the family like you see the relationship between me and my brother develop between me and my mum develop mm. and then that stuff is kind of more I try and get to a more emotional place and you know do something a bit deeper when you look at the script first of all because obviously it's another role where it's a darker more aggressive character something that you're familiar with what was it about Gangs of London that yeah caught your eye for me it's all about variety you know I, I had a great time on Peaky Blinders but started it when I was 23 I think I started that I, you know I've been in it for a while and you don't want to get typecast you want to have the opportunity to do different things and then obviously because Peaky Blinders is such a success and has a massive fan base and people have seen me in in that role and then also in Prayer Before Dawn playing a boxer and, and, and things like that you kind of you get sent those are the things that are coming into your inbox you know, the, the mm. physical roles, the sort of, I don't know, the aggressive roles, the criminals. And I uh, made a conscious choice. That I just didn't want to do that necessarily. Um, I, you know, I want to do different things. And when this came along, initially I, I thought, absolutely not. You know, Gangs of London, no, you know, I don't even know. The ballsy title. Yeah, just off the title, you know, which is, in essence, it's, it's yeah. a bold title. You need some big kahunas to, to kind of say we're doing a show called Gangs of London because... Immediately, there's a no matter which way you look at it, there's a negative reaction. It's like, oh, gangs, what's that? You know, and then you have to earn the title. Um, and then I saw that Gareth Evans was attached, and my agent was like, read it, you know. And uh, and I read the first couple of episodes, and I absolutely loved it. I was reading it, thinking, how on earth are they going to bring this to life? How on earth are we going to shoot this stuff? This is just kind of epic, and it's it's on a a bigger bigger scale, and they're they're mixing kind of Eastern influence of, of, of Gareth Evans' Eastern influence cinema with this kind of more Western American style, big flashy uh, gangster show. And the character, that, I, that the, the Sean character, just I just thought I could do something kind of interesting with and, and, and have some fun with it. And you'll see as the show goes on, there's, there's, there's far more to Sean than you see in episode one. And that's quite a cool. And that's the great thing about television is you get many hours to explore that. I thought it was a very measured performance, but you can tell there's stuff, you know, obviously he's concealing his anger, he's, he's out for revenge, but you, you know there's more underneath. Yeah, I yeah. Really get that. Yeah, yeah. 
The show was obviously, um, I suppose, centred around family, isn't it? And your own family, three of the Coles are professional actors. Yeah. You know, going back to your childhood, was that something that from an early age was the ambition? Because your parents aren't involved. No, no, no. So my my mum's a primary school teacher. Uh, My dad's a... My, my dad's sort of semi-retired now, but he was a sailing instructor before that. He worked as a management consultant. Um, so, yeah, far from the industry. And my mum's, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but my mum is probably the worst actor I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> even, when, even, when you, even when you try and do kind of a, uh, a video, we're like, mum, we're just going to do this video to send around to our mates. We just need you to really deadpan this line. She'll be like, Oh yes, Joe. Would you like to come for tea? And it's just like, Mum, Mum, please. It just doesn't you haven't work. Got the part, Mum. I completely um, relate to that. <laughs> uh, I hope. I mean, she'll probably she probably won't like that. But anyway, my mum did a video the other day for a friend for for a big birthday. Honest to God, we must have done about twenty five takes of the damn thing. Yeah. And it was like a fifteen second sort of happy birthday. I hope you have a lovely day. <laughs> what's, the, what's going on? Unreal. Yeah, it's funny. But, um, get that. <laughs> no, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. We, me and my bro- one of my, I'm with one of my brothers now. He's not, he's not an actor, uh, and we're kind of quarantined together. And we've been doing just stupid videos and sending them around to all our mates. You know, just kind of, we've come up with these characters, these kind of uh, quarantined characters, and we're just kind of riffing on, uh, riffing on everything's going on in the news. I think there was something that involved Dettol Flash. Um, this yeah. morning, um, yeah, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, it's a strange one, really. I mean, I enjoyed acting growing up, and uh, my school. I went to kind of a very standard state school, kind of um, you know, pretty rough, kind of quite an interesting mix of people. And we had this fantastic drama teacher, Miss O'Shea, who just just was amazing and put on a mate uh, great plays. And got us all really uh, got us all into it, and I met some of my greatest friends today from doing that. Um, mm. You know, one I was in the shows with one of my brothers, who's also not an actor; he's a maths teacher, and all our friends, and we just had the best time. And I never saw it as a career because that just wasn't something that entered my ether. You know, I just my parents both went to university. It was drummed into me kind of, I guess, subconsciously that you kind of got to go to university if you want to have to achieve anything in your life. Right. And when I got to A-levels, that kind of wasn't the case. I was middle of the pack. I'd lost all interest. And and then it, 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 my hand was forced and, and, and I ended up retaking and going back to my old sick form and I was in my brother's year. And he was like the smartest kid in the year, my brother. He was like top five in the country, <laughs> English and maths. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, so it was like, and I was just there retaking. It was, it, and all my other friends were at university. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was dead, man. All my other friends were at university, and I was living in a box room at my mum and dad's house, and I used to sell carpets. So I was selling carpets on the weekend, and then working at the Rose Theatre in the evenings, and then going back at this school. And one of my pals in the class had done the National Youth Theatre. And I kind of had this sort of moment where I was like, right, I need to really pull my finger out here and do something with my life. And I I should start with these 20 people that are in my drama class and at least match what they're doing. And one of them's done the National Youth Theatre, so I'm going to apply. And I applied, got in there, did a two-week summer course, met an incredible director, Ricky Beadle Blair, who's very inspiring and just told me to go for it. And then I did, you know, I, I had a place to go to a drama school up in Manchester. I, I, I didn't go, I stayed in London. I just started auditioning and I was doing casting for, for Ricky. I casted like a two of his plays. 
and just really hustling. Like this is what I tell young actors. I say like you've got to do absolutely everything at the beginning. Um, mm. And you just got to put in effort in every single avenue. And eventually that effort sort of becomes intelligent effort and you figure out what works and what doesn't work. So for me, I basically just hustled Ricky and kept emailing him and said, you know, he was putting on plays in London. I said, you know, can I, I'd love to get in one of your plays. I, I, I'd love to. And he was like, well, there's no parts for you, but you can come and cast this show. So I was like, yeah, sure. So I'd jump up on the train into town and I'd help him cast shows and I'd read with all the other actors for him. And then eventually he put me in a two nights at the Drill Hall in the Tottenham Court Road and, and, I, and I got an agent from that. I invited every agent down, sold it like it was the next Hamlet with Benedict Cumberbatch and James McAvoy. <laughs> and it really wasn't. Um, but I had, a decent, I had a decent role in it and I had a, there was an opportunity to showcase some stuff for me. So got an agent from that. And then started, you know, doing the Bill and Holby City and things like that. And then kind of my next big break was I had this tiny part on Come Fly With Me with Matt Lucas and David Walliams. I mean, you can find this somewhere on YouTube. And I'll be on YouTube after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a very different role. I'm going to spend a lot of time getting into that character and building that performance. I'll have you know. Um, and uh, I did this day, day with them. And we, me and Matt got on really well. Lo lovely bloke. And... Um, he actually, he took a photo of me. I don't know if you remember that app, Fat Booth, where you could take a photo on your iPhone and yeah, make your face yeah. really fat, right? So he's taking this photo of me. I'm in just for one day, small part. It's like the third job I've done. I'd literally, I'd, I'd just started out. And he'd sent me this photo, right? So I had his email address, his personal email address. And I'm thinking, geez, I've got Matt Lucas's personal email address here. That's great. Um, I've got to do something with this. And then I... Um, I had this kind of idea mulling over in my head about a kind of comedy drama set in my hometown, set in, set in Kingston, about kind of this breakup I'd had and all my friends and like one of my best mates, Jack, he's a, one of the characters based on him, he's, he's hilarious. And, uh, and, I'd, and I kind of just wrote this show because I was of the opinion that I didn't know how I was going to get from doing a part in The Bill or Holby City to getting onto the next step, which at the time was kind of your skins or your misfits. They were the kind yeah, of shows yeah. that mm. people who were my age, what, 19, I think I was, 20, that, that was all that was on. So I was like, all right, I need to get into something like this, you know. So yeah, I, uh, I wrote this show and I sent Matt a sort of cheeky email and I just said, look, dude, like I've written this thing. I'm sure you get this all the time, but I would really appreciate some feedback. Totally cool if you can't. I know this is kind of pretty um, outlandish of me to ask, but you know. And he got back to me, and long story short, we ended up setting up a company. He loved the show. We set up a company to make the show. And we developed it for ages, and I was getting uh, development money from a couple of different channels. And then for one reason or another, we never got the show made. It was going through various iterations, and, you know, it was just uh, probably the wrong time for the show, and we took it in the wrong direction. Yeah, there's numerous things. But that got me a really good agent. I ended up signing with a great agent, sort of off of the back of that. I was doing a play at the uh, the Bush Theatre in London at the time, and I'd done this small part on Stanley Park, which is which was like a, a BBC teen drama thing, like a one-off pilot, and I'd done that. And so the casting director of that was bigging me up to this agent, and then I, and then I was talking to Matt, and he said, "Well, you know, have you got a, who's your agent?" I said, "Well, you know, I'm looking at this guy, and I've, I've met him, and and he's kind of interested, but he's sort of like not not biting." And then. And then Matt said, I'll call him up. And then Matt called him up and said, you know, like, you need to look at this guy. Like, he's, he's not messing about. He's just written a, a three episodes of a TV show. And, and then I met him and, he, and, and, I, and I, was, I had a bunch of agents coming down to this play at the Bush Theatre. 
and they all wanted to wait until they'd seen the show before they said anything. And I met Connor, who's my agent, and, and, and he came and met me the night before it opened. And we had a few beers. And he just, he just said, yeah, he just said, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. And he hadn't seen me. He literally hadn't seen me act. <laughs> he hadn't seen me act. And that, that was, you know, and, and it was, and none of the others would, all the others were like, no, no, we don't, we don't want to meet you. We're going to see the show and then we'll talk. And he just signed me and, and you know, credit to him, man. <laughs> it's like, paid off, but. Panned out pretty well. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. So I just say that to young actors. I'm always like, you know, there's so much you can be doing and, and then you start to work out what, what, what actually works and what doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, I think we can say from the research, I suppose, that we were doing on you, that you are a very committed person. That, that's clearly the sort of way that you approach roles. And I was reading up about some of the sort of other roles that you've been in and, and some of the um, sort of the preparation, I suppose, you've done to sort of really get into the character. Um, so I was reading up about, is it Green Room? Yeah. Where yeah, you yeah. were playing a drummer. So tell us a bit more about what happened there. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> Green Room was, I think Green Room to this day was my favourite ever job for a few different reasons, which I'll explain. But... Um, yeah, so it's Jeremy Soldier. He'd done a movie called the director. He'd done a movie called Blue Ruin, fantastic film. And I'd never worked in the states. I had an American rep, and they were kind of looking to put this band together for his next film. And it was like a really exciting project. But it was still when I didn't really know how to do a self tape, and everything was a bit of a mess. But managed to get the role. And then he sends an email around. I think it was like a week or two, a couple of weeks before we were due to fly out to Oregon. And he sends us these five punk songs and he goes, make sure you know these songs like the back of your hand. And I was like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> what we're acting here. <laughs> well, it was just a bit of that. And, uh, you know, I, I shat myself and I was like, oh God, here we go. For, for one of a better expression. Had you, um, had you drummed before? Was it something, it wasn't one of those you put on the CV? No, nah, like, I mean, I'd, horse rider, drummer. Done a bit of, I'd done a bit of drumming as a kid, but you know, I, I didn't really know how to, how to, how to do anything. And then, uh, and I was like, oh my God. And then, so I just, I just found a teacher. I just went, you know, obviously went online. I was like, I found a teacher, found a, uh, a studio ne next to my house or near my house. And then just for the two weeks proceeding Oregon, proceeding to go to Portland, I just, I just go to this teacher every morning, do two hours with him, go to the studio, practice, practice, practice. I just I did that every single day for two weeks. And then when I got to Oregon, they had a teacher for me. And then it just started to click. And she was like, oh, you're doing it. You're a good man, like, and I was like, oh, I just, you know, I just picked you up. Like, what are we doing? But I'd done sort of two weeks of like really intense, like drumming for three, four hours a day, and it was great. And and it, that experience was incredible. And you know, Anton Yelchin, God rest his soul, was a really good friend of mine, and kind of he was the leader on that on that job, and he was the only kind of person who played an instrument in the band. So myself and Alia Shawcat and, and him and then Callum Turner when he came out a little bit later. We just used to go to the studio all the time and Anton would always be like, guys, you know, we got to go to the studio, man. We're going to play. Down. And we would go to the studio all the time. We would be in the studio because we had a couple of weeks before we started. So we're in the studio every single day, just messing around, jamming, having the best time. And then like I used to rap a bit. So like, I mean, I can't actually rap, but I used to like just do stupid <laughs> songs. And Anton would be like, Joe, rap, man. And then I'd get up and rap and he'd be like, he'd be playing drums and we'd just mix it up. And then, and it was, it was just an amazing, amazing time. And, and, you know, like, I mean, the thing about 
the thing I will say about Anton is he had so much more to, to give to this industry and, and he was genuinely one of the most incredible people uh, and, and friends I've ever met. Like, I, I I'm, I'm not just saying that. He was, he was really, a really, really amazing dude. And I actually, he was going to direct and write and he was the most inqui inquisitive, interesting, funny, weird dude. But yeah, it was an amazing experience. And then what happened was we're doing the film and we're having a great time out in Portland and Anton goes to us, he's like, hey guys, why don't we do a gig in, in, in Oregon, Portland, after the show? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, man, we'll do a gig, you know? Like, Joe, you can rap and, you know, play drums and we'll do the songs and then you can rap and just... I'm like, oh my God, please, no, man. And then... Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but it was his his energy and his passion and, and his, his kind of, like... Mm. He just was infectious. And I'm looking at this guy. This, you know, I'm just looking at this dude. I'm like, I can't say no to this guy, man. I cannot say no. I'm like, Did you yeah, rap course. and play the drums at the same time? I don't think no, I've no, ever so seen what a we... rapper playing the drums. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be quite, that'd be quite, a, quite a... That could be a very niche skill set that you should have <laughs> out there. No, we did, um, I, we did the songs. So we practised the songs. And then we, after the thing, we did, a, we did a gig in Oregon in front of like 300 people. Played the punk songs and at the end I got up and rapped and Callum Turner jumped on the drums um, and it was just hilarious you know and, uh, and and yeah and that was all down to that was Anton who led that man and you know it was a it was it was amazing and you can't I think it's if having those kind of people on a film set you can really uh, it, it can become something different it's like if you've got special people that can bring something extra then you can have a really special time So that's part one. And I mean, what a nice guy. Oh, lovely guy. Do you know what? That was the one thing after the interview that I took away, just what a, a top guy he is. Because I thought maybe naively you might be like his characters. Obviously not. Really top guy. Yeah. And I think what I found funny was halfway through, I kind of forgot that we were interviewing Joe Cole from Gangs of London. Just and with the And I thought we could have just been having a pint at the pub, really. Had to really take a reality check that it was actually happening. Yeah. And we always laugh, don't we? Because we do our research before these interviews. We make sure that we're fully prepped up on as much as we can be sort of going into chat to, to all of these famous faces. But we didn't know about Matt Lucas. No, it seems like he, he kind of played a pivotal role, didn't he? A pretty ballsy move from Joe to actually you know, send him a script. Oh, yeah, I love that Fat Booth features in the story as well. And he got this email yeah. address and was like, you know, I've got the email address. I'm going to take the opportunity and send in some of my work. And look how that paid off. Oh, massively. I mean, you saw when he was studying that he, he found that he was in a crossroads and he made that sort of decision to say, right, this is what I'm going to commit to. This is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it. And that kind of mindset has carried through, even with, you know, the email to Matt Lucas. Oh, it's incredible. Exactly. And I, I do love that, you know, his agent signed him without ever seeing him act based on Matt Lucas's recommendation. He did say they'd had a pint or two, but it was still a brilliant decision. That yeah, can help. But I really enjoyed talking to Joe uh, about some of the roles and how committed he's been. So Green Room, for example, where he was not a drummer, but then went in two weeks from not drumming to learning songs, then doing a gig. I know. We've had this a few times this series, haven't we? That an actor's going for a role. Somebody says, can you do this? And like, yeah, of course I can. I mean, in reality, they can't, but they just seem to fake it till they make it. I know. You know? It's crazy that they don't just go, oh, I know I said that, but could we maybe look at doing something else? He's like, no, I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to learn the drums and, and look where it's got him. And we've been seeing some brilliant really characters it. that have come as a result of that. Yeah, he has got this amazing ability to fully immerse himself in, into roles and, and really challenge himself. And that's, that's kind of where we pick up in part two. So here it is, part two with Joe Cole on Plot Twist. 
Let's go. Prayer Before Dawn was a funny one as well. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess my inst- I don't have my instincts all there because I remember that one. I was in I was in LA and it was the, like pretty much the first time I've been to LA. I think it was like 2015 or something. And I was doing a movie over there with Julia Roberts and Nicole Kidman and um, Chiwetel Ejiofor, name drop. Can I say, <laughs> hold on, just I threw that out there. Um, that was secret in their eyes. I had a moment there where I was, in a, I was in an elevator with the three of them and I just looked around and I've, I've got this prosthetic nose in secret in their eyes. I've got this prosthetic nose, which is like probably a bit too big, to be honest. No disrespect <laughs> to the makeup artists. And, uh, and this kind of incredible long black wig and I just looked weird as hell. And Julia wasn't speaking to me because of the nature of the uh, uh, our relationship in the show, in the film. And I had to stand in this elevator with the three of them and I just look ridiculous. And you, you really feel how people treat you differently. And I, I remember having this moment in this elevator where I was like, what the hell is going on, man? Like, what am I, who am I, what, what am I doing here? Like, you know, like, it was really like an out-of-body kind of moment of like, I mean, I shouldn't be here, man. I shouldn't be here, but it was funny. Um, so the, from there and the prep towards A Prayer Before Dawn. Yeah, so I was with my agent and um, he was like, and I'd not long done uh, this film, Offender, you know, Young Offenders film. It was like my, my first film in the UK and, and first lead role. And he's like, dude, we got this movie, man. It's like, it's like uh, boxing and and uh, and drugs and uh, prison <laughs> and uh, Muay Thai Thai boxing and uh, dude, it's gonna be it's fucking dope. And I and, uh, and I was like, bro, like, come on, man, like, <laughs> give it a rest, like, you know. I was like, I was like, you know, like, not for me, not for me. Um, and then we went further down the line, and then I skyped with the director a few months later, and. Um, and he'd watched a few of my things and, and I'd watched his movie. He did Jean-Stéphane Sauvers, French filmmaker who did it. He did a movie called Johnny Mad Dog a few years before. And it's this wild child soldier movie where you know he went to Liberia and he, he went to a village where the, the rebels had been in this village and they'd up and left. And there was just these child soldiers or ex-child soldiers now just on the streets, kind of, you know, fighting for scraps, just nothing going on. And John went there and he, he met these met these kids and he put them all in a in a house together and he stayed in a flat uh, uh, near them or above them and, and and made this movie with them and it's in, it's incredible and that film is just is is just crazy and I, I just really wanted to work with John and then I read Billy, Billy's book and 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 read the scripts and sort of the story was just just insane so yeah it was it was it was something I it was it was something I I really wanted to be a part of and it was a great experience man it was a you know we're we're working with non-professional actors prisoners guys who'd spent 7 10 15 years inside mad mad stories and backgrounds very very difficult complicated lives you know like the love interest was you know transgender non-professional actor as well and it, and it was oh, wow. yeah it was it was it was just a whole, and I was part of the casting, and I was going around. I was meeting all these dudes, and I was, I was basically just in a Scouse accent with my top off, just just doing these improvisational scenes in in, in Bangkok, just going to these guys' houses, and John's just filming it, and they can't speak any any English, and I was learning just the basic Thai stuff, like kind of numbers and a few little words, and John said to me, he's like, "Don't learn anything. Don't only speak only speak to them in English because." You got this amazing kind of thing where they don't know what you're saying, you don't know what they're saying, and it's all through gesture and all through eyes and all through mm. kind of your body, really. 
and uh, and it was really cool, man. That's fascinating. I did enjoy reading, though, that you had also been living off pad ties and woke up dreaming of Costa Coffee. <laughs> yeah. And a flat white in London. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I used to have dreams about having a flat white. Like, dude, it was like, it was mad. <laughs> yeah, it was an intense experience. And it was like, you know, six days, yeah, just in the prison all day and just getting battered all day. And, and, and the nature in which... Jean shot the fights, they're kind of kinetic and they don't cut, which meant every punch had to connect. So you basically had to hit each other. And it was full on. And I remember once I was sparring with a, a guy who was the uh, Southeast Asian boxing champion a few years previous. And he'd also spent seven years in the prison that we filmed in. And um, I was sparring with him and he was, the reason I could spar with him was because he was a lower weight to me. So I was, sort of taught how to sort of fend off kind of smaller guys and I could just hold them with my jab and stuff. And he got into my guard and like got an uppercut on me and just sent me to the moon and back. <laughs> and, uh, and and the camera's rolling and, 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 I, and I'm like so dazed and I'm like, and I just grab him because in Thai boxing you can clinch people. So you grab hold of them and, yeah, yeah. and you bring them in and I'm holding onto this guy using all my weight on him. And I know there's no way on earth that Jean Stefan is cutting from that. Like, he just lets the camera roll for 10 minutes. In fact, he'd love it, absolutely love it, you know, if that stuff happens. <laughs> so, you know, so I sort of get, regain some sort of co consciousness and then finish the sequence, which involves me kind of battering him, which we kind of had this rough choreography for. And I just thought, I was just thought for a moment, I was like, what am I doing? I'm fighting the South Asian boxing champion. I was going to say, you ever think, what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were moments where I was like, what on earth is going on? Well, what an experience though, overall, incredible. I wanted to ask one more question going back to your childhood and what kind of got you into acting. And I said, you, you, you've mentioned shows like The Wire and we actually had uh, Stephen Graham on last week, This Is England, which yeah. was a big influence. Is there a, sort of a, a standout show when you look back at your childhood where you thought actually that was that was the one for me that really sort of pushed me more towards acting? I used to go to my mate's house. My mate Alex's um, parents would just let him watch anything, and and uh, they're actually very good friends of my mum and dad as well. You know, but they, they he just had all the 18s from when we were like 13, and I used to go to his house and watch. You know, I watched City of God and I watched Pulp Fiction. I watched Godfather. I watched like. Goodfellas, I watched Jackie Brown, I watched everything at Alex's house, man. Like, and, and he just had a really good taste in films, him and his dad. And then they got me onto The Wire. So I was watching The Wire when I got, uh, you know, I, was in, I think I was into my late teens by then. And The Wire was like my favorite TV show of all time. I think for acting, The Wire was definitely one, but then for me, it was Shane Meadows stuff. I bought a box set of his films um, with This Is England 24, Rufa Romeo Brass, uh, Dead Man's Shoes on it, just off Amazon. And I watched all of those when I was, I think I was 19 and I was like looking to want to do a bit of, you know, be an actor, do a bit of acting. And I was just floored by it. I just thought, you know, these kind of northern troubled stories, these, these, I just thought the authenticity was just incredible. Mm. Um, Paddy Considine in these roles and Stephen Graham as well, like they're making me feel something. They're really making me feel something. And, and, I, and I was like, I need to recreate that in some way. Yeah, he was awesome. And we had Joe Gilgan on the week before, of course, hey. was in there. Uh, yeah. Oh, what an <laughs> experience that is with Joe. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We love Joe. We love Joe. I've heard. Um, but need to say, we can't touch on sort of previous projects without um, briefly speaking about Peaky Blinders. Oh, yeah. So tell us about that. From what we were reading up, it sounds like you sort of went for this audition and then and got a call and then didn't even realise that was the part that you were being offered. So going from that to then 
how the series turned out and how big it became. Like, did you ever see that coming when you yeah, entered the audition? That. Yeah. You know, that was like so long ago now. Was it seven, seven years ago, eight years ago? Yeah, I went for an audition with Shaheen Bey, who cast it, who's brilliant. And uh, they'd asked me to kind of learn three lines or something. So I'd kind of learnt them in this Brummie accent that, <laughs> that I'd tried to, you know, find somewhere. And, and I'd got these three lines down in this, in this Brummy accent that I was like, this is passable for sure. Like, this is passable. And I did. You're, you're, you're pretty good at accents, dude. I'm going to put yeah. that yeah. Thanks, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah, so I got these, I did these three lines, and then she goes, that's great. And she goes, now, can you just read um, what Tommy's, um, you know, we're going to give me this big scene with Tommy. And not, not for the role, but just so they could get a sense of um, what I was like with oh. some bigger scenes, right? So then I'm like, yeah, sure. And I'm reading these reams of dialogue. In, and God knows what's coming out of my mouth. I think it was like Mancunian and then Birmingham and then Jamaican and some Indian. And it was all sorts. And I was, I remember thinking like, and you know, I've done a few with Shaheen where she's probably you know, raised her eyebrows, but I remember thinking, I was like, all I've got to do is just keep calm and keep looking cool and just keep saying the words and, and not be, even though I know this sounds absurd, as long as I can just keep going and just keep cool. Then we'll do it. And I left the room thinking, my word, that was, and we, we had a bit of a laugh about it. But, um, but yeah, and then, and then ate and then forgot about it. And then a few months, I was auditioning for something else. And then my agent calls me and he's like, um, yeah, you've got the role in Peaky Blinders. I was like, which, which one's Peaky, which Peaky Blinders? Again? And he's like, oh, yes, yeah, you know, the gangster Bobby. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, yeah, Killian. Killian's I was like, Killian, who's, who's Killian? I thought it was another Killian. I was like, a... he goes, and he's like, Killian, Killian Murphy from, uh, and I was like, whoa, whoa, Killian, Killian Murphy from Batman and, you know. Begins. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, geez, okay, oh, oh great. He's like, you're playing Jungle Brothers. I was like, oh, great, great, okay, great. And it took me a moment to catch up, but um, yeah, that, that was, that was an amazing, amazing show, actually. And we had, a, yeah, it was a great, I met some great friends on there and we had such a, such a good time. What sort of moment did you realise that had got as big as it did? Was there like a, a pivotal moment that you were like, oh my God, this is really... After I think season three dropped, then I started to um, get recognised a lot more. Um, I will say one thing, when the World Cup was on, was it last year? The year before now, wasn't it? year before? Scary. Two years ago, yeah. bloody hell, yeah. I was in a pub garden, this happened a couple of times, and then the Peaky Blinders chant <laughs> was coming out, coming round. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, like... That was a that was a mad one, you know. And that's when you realise you're kind of you're part of something that is that's on a different level. When the whole pub is singing Peaky Blinders kind of uh, chants at you. I feel yeah. like as well, it's become like a go-to fancy dress theme as well. It's like it's it's Peaky Blinders themed, you know. It's yeah, really yeah. become like yeah. part of just yeah. It's like and they've got you know stag do's and and yeah and New Year's parties and and all the rest of it. The only and thing is I can't wear a lot of buzz cuts are going to be coming back into fashion again of people trying to do their own hairstyles at home so yeah everyone's <laughs> everyone's trying to do a peak human yeah i just i i can't wear a flat cap obviously because i was in the show so everyone's <laughs> like you know like there's a few things you kind of have to rule out you know and one of them is like i cannot be seen and i bought a cap the other day that was that wasn't a flat cap but it was kind of something similar and i just took it back i said to the guy i said mate <laughs> And he knew who I was, and I said, mate, I can't wear this, dude. You know, I just look like I want to be back on the show, mate. It's just not a vibe, you know, like, it's not a vibe. So, so yeah, there's a couple of sacrifices. And talking of other big shows, I got first introduced to Black Mirror, and I was trying to impress a girl, and it was around, it was Classic. about two years ago. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's a true story. And it was uh, Series 4, and your episode is my favourite episode, because I've watched all of them since. Oh, thank it's you. It's my favourite one. It's so, so good. 
but the, the thing I found interesting, I think you've spoken about before, was you've mentioned that you did all the preparation for Prayer Before Dawn, all the sacrifice, and like so time-consuming, and and then you do this one, you know, one episode of Black Mirror, get a BAFTA nomination, like, like the contrast between the two, and yet you know the sort of the global recognition is is incredible. Yeah, no, it was great, man, and 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 that show, you know. W- you know, George Edith Campbell's just a, a, an absolute pro and all the guys in the cast. And uh, and Tim Van Patten directed it. And he's, you know, he did the Game of Thrones pilot. He did Boardwalk Empire. He did uh, episodes of uh, he did The Sopranos. And yeah, we had a lot of fun. And I think, you know, I've said this before, but like Charlie Brooker just, I think, writes great characters as well as his, obviously, you know, the ideas he's coming up with are, are really interesting. He writes incredible characters. And I decided to do it in this northern, kind of this northern, soft northern accent, this kind of lilt thing. Good old Frank. That, good old Frank, yeah. And that was that was just my <laughs> own decision. They were like, do your own accent. And I, was, I said, like, can I, do, can I do a different accent? They're like, oh, okay, do a different accent. And that was just because I th- just it just felt right for that character. And I think it works. He's, there's, he's not me, you know, he's, soft, he's softer than me. He's, he's kind of more gentle than me I guess in a way and 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 that is often my way in for a part just finding the kind of the rhythms and the intonations and the kind of dialect of the person and it was the same with Sean and you kind of see as the show goes on like I think with something like with with Sean in Gangs of London initially there's this kind of like you, you hear that voice and you kind of see that type of person and you don't like them really it's it's harder to warm to somebody initially who's just a moody posh guy you know like and 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 that (laughs) for me I quite I I quite enjoyed the challenge of kind of going well let's see how we can you know and and hopefully you kind of grow to respond to this character Mm. as it goes on I suppose one final question is what's next what is there anything big on the sort of bucket list or particular person you really want to work with that you're trying to sort of tick off you know there's a lot of filmmakers that I love and 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 want to work with I've got a, a project we were about to start which has been going to be put back but I think hopefully we're going to start it at the end of this year potentially or, or next year which I'm really excited about I can't say anything about it at the moment but it's an IP you've seen before oh you tease yeah <laughs> you'll know about it soon enough but it's um for me it's kind of a, a really uh, a different very different role again kind of the opposite to Sean Wallace in gangs and and hopefully something that's different and can surprise people again so I'm really excited for that and then, yeah, I'm just going to see what happens, you know, see how Gangs of London goes down and, and, and see the reaction from that. But I tend not to look too far in front because, you know, you get what you're given to a certain extent. So it's like if people people like your work and are interested, then they'll get in touch. Doing quite a bit of writing at the moment. So maybe one day we'll have something. But yeah, just as I say, just, just sort of one foot in front of the other at the minute. Here's a fast moving industry. And you mentioned it being ultra competitive and obviously not, not being the only Joe Cole as well. <laughs> Do you yeah. get do you get a lot of that? I've seen on Twitter a couple of times you've been like praised, and it's been, I've clearly been for the other. Yeah, praised or slagged off, like <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. I mean, I've had it. I've had it all my life growing up as a kid. You know, I used to play a lot of football, and every time I turn up, I'm like, hey mate, oh mate, we're looking forward to seeing you up top. You know what I mean? You think you'd be at Chelsea, son? You know, like um, what are you doing here? It's all that. Um, and then the other one was the postman. I, I still get the postman a lot, man. Like. I've started changing my name on deliveries. I because every, every time I get a postman turn up to the thing, 
They go, oh, mate, I thought, I thought you were going to be famous, mate. Like, <laughs> I thought you were going to be Joe Coffin. What? He wouldn't live here. He wouldn't live here. And I'm there going, yeah, I know, yeah. He wouldn't, Joe, and he doesn't, and yeah. Maybe like your social media, you should just assign it the other Joe Carl in postal form as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we do. Thank you so much for being on Plot Twist, and uh, we both can't wait to watch the rest of uh, Gangs of London. Thanks, guys. Great speaking to you. Thank I hope you. you. Hope you enjoy it. That was really cool. Well, that concludes our interview and a huge thanks to Joe Cole. I mean, what a nice guy. Yeah, we said it before, didn't we? But lovely chat. Really good interview. I just really enjoyed it. Just really enjoyed the chat. Yeah, it was really interesting to find out more about some of the roles that he's been in, sort of how he throws himself into it, and also the effect of some of the fame that has come from Peaky Blinders. I mean, the biggest one being that he can never wear a flat cap again in public. <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant. I love that we returned it. Just said, look, mate, I can't do this. <laughs> uh, and of course you had to drop in there that you were trying to impress a girl by watching Black Mirror. <laughs> Thank I God know, that you I chose was... one of the best episodes of the series to do that. It's one of the best series, actually, series four. But uh, no, that is a true story. Um, didn't pay off. So we'll, we'll move swiftly on. <laughs> And we were just, we were sort of laughing before the interview, weren't we, when we saw Joe's social media and his handle is the other Joe Cole. Yeah. But I just love that the delivery drivers turn up at his door and go, oh, we thought you were going to be the famous one. Yeah. It's like, how famous does someone need to be to be the famous one? <laughs> you know, the industry is challenging enough as it is. But then when you have, you know, you share your name with uh, another famous uh, Joe Cole, obviously the footballer, yeah, you know, fair play. He can just put on it next time, Joe Cole the guy from Gangs of London, and I'm sure they'll definitely know who he's talking about then. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, we've both watched the series, haven't we? It is... Yeah, we have. It really is an exceptional series. We really, really enjoyed watching it. I still stand by the fact I had to watch a lot of scenes from behind my hands because some of the fight scenes are epic and gory and gruesome but in the most gripping way it really really is a brilliant series so if you enjoyed our chat with joe you definitely need to go and watch it on now tv yeah i completely second that well friend there's nothing more to say than get watching have a little binge of gangs of london and we'll see you soon ciao